Uh, according to the experts, male infertility uh, is the reason that up to 40% of South African couples fail to conceive. It's something that we rarely talk about. And when we look at uh, infertility, uh, it's very often the focus is on the woman. Um, but uh, according to the doctors, the, the blame uh, for uh, male infertility uh, lies with the environmental and lifestyle factors. So uh, for the next few minutes, we're going to be uh, lifting the lifting the lid on male infertility, removing the stigma, removing the shame uh, that may be attached to it. And we'd love you to share your stories uh, with us if it's something that you've experienced, uh, how you've dealt with it uh, with your partner. Africa was saying uh, to us uh, at the end of his show that uh, there are a couple of uh, friends of his, couples that he knows, uh, where actually uh, infertility has been such a problem, uh, or male infertility, or the, the, the possibility of male infertility, that uh, the couples have ended up uh, splitting up because the partners refuse to go uh, and uh, and and get tested and 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 find out uh, exactly what the problem was and I'm sure that that's not uh, a hugely uncommon uh, story. We're joined uh, on the line uh, this morning by Dr. Mohammed Barmania, who is a urologist in practice at Vitz Donald Gordon Medical Centre, uh, and uh, it's uh, great to welcome him to the show. Uh, Dr. Barmania, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Sarah Jane, and good morning to your listeners. So, tell me, what are the what do we know about male infertility in South Africa? Do we have stats? Do we have figures? I don't think there's much local data, but generally we would use the international data as a yardstick. Uh, now, in terms of infertility, because there's a couple involved. Uh, the simple rule I use is basically the rule of uh, thirds, which I call. Uh, the data is more or less in that uh, vicinity. That, uh, in about a third of cases, the problems are generally a female factor. The other third, it's a male factor. And in the, other, in the last third, basically, it's a combination of male and female factors. So uh, if you look at the different data, you quoted a number there of about 40%. So it varies in, in that region, but approximately in half the cases, basically, uh, one of the sexes would uh, be making some sort of contribution to the issue of infertility. In your experience, does there tend to be more reluctance on the behalf, on the half, on the part of men uh, to talk about uh, infertility, uh, to go for testing, um, and ultimately, does uh, are we to draw from from that if the answer is in the affirmative that there is a, a stigma attached, a shame attached to it? Uh, yes, definitely, there might be some stigma attached to it from a male perspective sometimes. It might be perceived as a sense of inadequacy, but generally men tend to take a backseat when it comes to health issues. Uh, you ask us more about the sports and uh, the sports scores and the clubs that we follow in the various sports. We're more forthcoming with all those things, but when it comes to health issues, sometimes more often than not, we tend to take a back backseat. And often the the blame is shifted to the female partner and men generally are not so keen to be investigated or to look at them as being contributing to the problem. But but there has been change and uh, there has been some progress in that the more and more patients tend to be a bit more forthcoming. 
so let's talk about infertility and and how it can can be treated and and what's the what what does infertility in men mean is that across it does it just mean a low sperm count or is there more to it than that oh no there's definitely much much more to that so basically in terms of a definition what we consider as being infertility firstly is the inability to conceive after trying for at least a year all right and uh, in terms of men in terms of infertility the causes can be varied so as you know that the that your sperm basically gets produced by the testes so the first problem could be is that the testes itself are unable to produce any sperm uh, and there's varying reasons for that uh, from congenital problems where people are born with abnormal testes or sometimes undescended testes or sometimes basically the testes has endured some sort of insult during its lifetime. So common things are like trauma or if you previously had a severe infection in the testes, something like mumps, uh, uh, previously having had mumps in the testes. So that's the first broad group is that firstly the testes don't produce any sperm or don't produce good quality sperm. So that's the first group. The other group could be that the testes does produce sperm, but the quality of the the sperm is is poor. Uh, In the third, the other group could be that the testes does produce good quality sperm, but there's a blockage in the pathway of the sperm going from the testes through what we call the vas deferens and for the sperm to come out when when you ejaculate. And then the other go the, the, the one of the other groups is that sometimes the stimulus for the testes to produce sperm. The testes basically are controlled the function of the testes which is to produce sperm and to make testosterone are are controlled by a gland called the pituitary gland that sits in in the brain behind our eyes. And sometimes there might be abnormalities of this gland. You might be born with an abnormal gland or you have some genetic abnormalities or you sustain some sort of trauma or had some sort of uh, tumor or even uh, in this pituitary gland. And because the pituitary gland doesn't function well enough, the thermostat that it acts as to control the testes basically is impaired. So because of that, the testes doesn't function adequately. So as you can see, in terms of the spectrum of disorders of the testes, it can be quite broad. It's just not as simple as the sperm being, uh, the sperm quality or the sperm amount being abnormal. Just tell us, at what point is it that um, men should seek medical help? I mean, when I'm thinking about, you know, friends of mine who are who are trying for a baby, and some of them, uh, you know, try for a week, and 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 she pees on a stick, and it's all it's all good, and they start planning and painting nurseries. Other people have been trying for sort of two, three years. At what point is the time at which you 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 look to for for medical assistance or clarification? Okay, so we would say basically a minimum of a year. Right? Mm. Obviously, if uh, if the the female is getting on in age, like if they're above thirty five, then then we might even consider workup as soon as beyond six months. 
because obviously at that stage uh, the biological clock is not on our side. So uh, so generally the recommendation is is a, is a year. I'm trying not to bristle too much at you saying that somebody over 35 is getting on in age, uh, Dr. Malvania. We're maturing. But <laughs> we're, we're maturing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, so that's that's the first that's the first step. Um, in terms of lifestyle, I mean, uh, presumably if if you're you're out drinking and smoking and regularly getting a kick in the nads during a game of football, uh, that's not going to help you when it comes to fertility. Sure, sure, definitely that that doesn't help. Uh, but obviously it needs to be significant trauma, you know. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, of lifestyle things, definitely smoking is not, uh, not good for sperm quality. Um, in terms of alcohol directly, there's no association. But obviously excessive amounts of alcohol could, could affect one's erectile function at that time when one's a bit inebriated. Uh, in terms of other lifestyle things, uh, there has been data that's shown in the past that tight underwear is not uh, great for sperm quality. Really? And then, yeah, actually, uh, in the Far East, in India, they wear a garment called a lungi, which is basically a loincloth. Uh, <laughs> and there's some data, it's not very great data, but there is some data that suggests that that's good for, for your sperm quality. Uh, it was some years back that I saw a study that people sitting for long times with computers on their laptops because of the heat from the computer, you know, from their laptops. Uh, anything that gives excessive heat, like prolonged periods in, in saunas and stuff, uh, that could affect the sperm quality. One of the conditions that affect the sperm quality is something that we call a varicocele. Uh, and simply put, the varicose seal is when the veins around the testes become a bit engorged. Mm. Um, the simple way I explain it to my patients is like how females often get veins in their legs, you know, in their calves. Mm. Guys can get veins around their testes. And it's a fairly common condition. Approximately one in six men have it. Most don't even know they have it. So because these veins are engorged around the testes, they increase the temperature of the scrotum in the testes, and that can affect the sperm quality because generally the scrotum is a little cooler than the rest of the body. Which I guess is what they're doing down there, isn't it, as opposed to being tucked up inside the body? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, If somebody is born, let's say, with, with just one testicle, does that therefore immediately half their chance of conceiving? Not really. One testis is more than adequate to conceive. The thing is, every time one ejaculates, there can be anything from 20 million to two, 300 million sperm. Mm. And basically all you need is one sperm to cause joy or grief, whichever way you look at it, you know. <laughs> uh, so what, what, when we're talking about a low sperm count, what, do, what would that look like in, in figures? Okay, so basically when we look at um, there's a few things that that we basically look at, all right? So the first thing is generally we would look at the, the number of the sperm, mm. all right? Uh, and generally, as I said, if we look at below about 20 million per mole, that would be low. Under 10 million basically would make it much more severe. 
So the first, uh, some people would even say use 15 million as a primary as a criteria. So, so basically, the first issue is the number of the sperm. Um, then the second thing we look is at what we refer to as uh, as the morphology of the sperm. So how how the sperm looks, because generally, generally the sperm. So if you were to take like a spectrum of men, at one end you would get like a big, muscular, strong guy, and on the other end like a scrawny, thin person. So basically, mm-hmm. in terms of sperm, you get uh, sperm in the different stages of development. And generally, you want a certain percentage to look normal. So that's the second thing, how the sperm look. And then the third thing that we look at is what we refer to as the motility, how fast the, the sperm swim. So when they do a sperm analysis test, they look at the sperm. Firstly, they count the number. They assess the quality, how they look. And then the third thing is, are they moving? Are they Do they look dead? Are they moving on the spot? Are they moving and are they progressing forward? So those. So it's not merely a matter of the number of the sperm, it's also the quality of, of the sperm that we look at. So there's a few parameters we consider. Okay, okay. This has been a fascinating discussion and I hope that if there are any chaps uh, who are listening in uh, who perhaps uh, have thought, I don't want to talk about this or it's, you know, I feel shame or embarrassment, I hope that we have helped uh, alleviate that uh, in some way uh, and, uh, and of course, that uh, there is help out there. Uh, Dr. Balmania, thanks so much for joining us this morning. A pleasure for, uh, pleasure for having me.